last May, Stacy and I visited Lincoln for the first time. I was coming out here to meet with the search committee, to interview in person, to visit the building, to preach at a neutral pulpit, all of that. It was a weekend for everyone involved, the search committee, myself, my wife, to get a sense of whether Lincoln was the right fit, and if I were the right fit for Lincoln. The conversation on the flight out was memorable. It had been a whole 48 hours since Stacy had called me to say, we're having a baby. <laughs> And the appointment with her doctor had been at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I had been late at, at church at a committee meeting the night before. Um, so she actually woke me up with the call. And, and I'm sure there are morning people in this congregation. Bless you. I, I am not. So in the moment, I had been woken up with this news, and all I could get out was, Wow, <laughs> this, is, this could be a big week. <laughs> so the flight out to Lincoln was the first time Stacy and I had really had a chance to sit down and really talk about what this meant, what it might mean to start a family in Nebraska, far from family and friends, how we might mitigate the almost certain trauma of being a preacher's kid. As we were coming into land, the, the first sight of Lincoln that we saw through the clouds, it, it was cold and rainy that first day. The first sight through the clouds was the football stadium. <laughs> and I joked that our child might become a little corn husker, <laughs> a niblet. <laughs> that stuck. At dinner that night, I met the search committee in person for the first time. It, it, it was rainy and cold. We were told unseasonably so. I will believe that next May. <laughs> but the food was good. A surprise for us Easterners. The company was warm. As we left, the search committee gave Stacy a sweater off of their backs and handed us a bag of Nebraska goodies to welcome us. At the bottom of the bag, was a mixtape with songs the committee felt presented or were a good description of this town and this congregation. We walked back to the hotel that night talking about the home we might have here. We know how the story ends. Stacy and I ended up moving out to Lincoln. I'm standing here on a Sunday morning, having stayed up a little too late watching the game last night. And that mixtape is sitting in my car's CD player. If I were to put together a mixtape for Lincoln, songs that described who I was, aspirations, where I come from, draw the circle wide, that anthem that the choir just sung would be one of the first tracks. Mark Miller wrote it about a decade ago, and, and in the last 10 years, it's become uh, well-loved in, in certain circles, including that of Wesley Theological in D.C. 
the last time I heard a choir perform it was at Wesley's commencement last spring. It's an important song to me both because it is so often sung at my alma mater, but also because it was an entry point for my theology as a Unitarian Universalist to meet that of the institution that I was a part of. We know about drawing the circle wide. We talk about being welcoming congregations and, and while I didn't know it when I applied, that kind of hospitality is central to what Wesley saw as its mission and the kind of minister it wanted to train. New students in my cohort were welcomed to Wesley by a reading from Genesis. The reading was repeated often enough that if you mention the Oaks of Mamre to somebody in my cohort, you'll either get a rueful chuckle or a sermon. <laughs> the passage goes something like this. The Abraham was camped out by the Oaks of Mamre in the heat of the day he looked up and saw three men standing by him. And as soon as he saw them, he ran from his tent to meet them, bowed down to the ground. He said, if I have found favor with you, do not pass by. Let a little water be brought. Wash your feet. Rest yourselves under this tree. Let me bring a, a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent and told Sarah, his wife, make ready quickly three measures of our best flour, knead it and make cakes. And he ran out to his herd and told one of his servants or one of his sons, depending on the translation, to take a calf, the best calf in the herd, and prepare it. And he took curds and milk and a calf and the cakes and water and set it before his guests and stood by them while they ate. The story is one about hospitality. Abraham does not ask who these guests are. He doesn't do this seeking any kind of reward. He gives them water, good food, a place to rest from their travels. He does this because it's what you do in the wilderness in the heat of the day. Welcome the stranger because we were all strangers once and likely will be again. I heard that story in a distinctly non-UU setting. It is a distinctly non-UU story. Yet there is a connection to Unitarian Universalism. We sometimes talk about different faiths having different gifts, sort of a, a a different idea that it is at the core of the tradition. In Judaism, this is tradition. In the Methodist faith, it is music. Roman Catholicism, it is ritual. I think for Unitarian Universalists, it's our sense of welcome. Welcome is what we are known for outside of our walls. It's possible, I suppose, that we could also name social justice as the thing we are known for but I think our sense of social justice comes out of our sense of welcome. Here we say that you are welcome whoever you are. Whatever your age, whatever your skin color, whatever your gender, 
whatever your gifts, whomever you love, you are welcome here. This is the story we tell ourselves as a denomination. And while, while we fall short of living fully into it, it is a beautiful aspiration. It is the end point of joining universalist theology, which we'll talk about next week, to a Unitarian focus on living in this life, in this world. So if radical hospitality, if this idea of welcome is one of the hallmarks of Unitarian Universalism as a faith, what is the story we tell about ourselves in this place? What is the story of welcome at the Unitarian Church of Lincoln? I'm not even going to begin to be, to pretend to be unbiased in this question. I and my wife have been the recipient of a welcome at this place beyond what we could have dreamed. From a mixtape to offers of meals and a help getting the office set up to a staff and a congregation ready and excited to work together to create the next chapter of this place. During candidating week, there were four potlucks in three days. <laughs> Think about how many dishes that is. <laughs> to cook and to wash. So I cannot pretend to be unbiased. But there are other places in the life of this congregation where I have seen hands of welcome extend. This building is for the most part accessible. Across, from the hall, across the hall from my office is a future elevator shaft. It doesn't have an elevator there yet. But the place, the space is made for it. The building also has ungendered restrooms and, and a shower. Two things that might not mean much until you need them, and then they mean everything. The building is just a building without people on it. But here, too, there's a, a spirit of hospitality that the first week I was here, not knowing any of the names attached to these emails, I saw a flurry of emails about a group of marchers coming in from Minnesota to demonstrate at the Capitol building. They needed a place to stop and rest for the night. And like the story in Genesis, the response started out straightforward. Members committed to staying overnight so those 60 travelers could have a place to rest. But from there, things grew. Congregants offered to help with food. Soon there was lasagna and desserts to feed a small army. Another group got up, got together to set up games for the dozens of kids that were here. And I, I think helped to clean up the water balloon remnants <laughs> that those games left. Musicians offered to play for the gathered, sparked a party that lasted into the small hours of the morning as members and guests shared music with each other. It was above and beyond what any of the guests expected. It was a moment of real connection. Hospitality is not an easy thing. 
being truly welcoming asks a lot of us. It might be as straightforward as giving up our Saturday night to welcome travelers from another state or picking up a striped mug at coffee hour or it might ask us to consider and reconsider traditions that might be well loved by us in this place but not seen as welcoming for folks coming in. We're going to have a lot of time to talk through this. One of the new things that we're trying this year is structuring worship around monthly themes. So you'll see in your, in your order of service, the outside cover says September colon welcome. So all through September, we're going to be talking about welcome. One of the advantages of, of structuring worship like this is that it helps, to really, it helps us to really dig into a topic from a variety of points of view and voices. Worship at its best, what we do here on Sunday morning, is a conversation. It's a conversation across weeks and across generations. And so by, by pulling this out for a month, we get to really emphasize that conversation. Next week, we'll talk about universalism and how it relates to welcome. The week after that, we'll talk about how welcome requires us to change sometimes. The week after that, worship associates will do a service on welcome in different traditions across the world. It'll be fun, I promise. But I wanted to start this month rooted in the experience of this congregation. Because the experience of the last six months of my life has been defined by the welcome I have felt in this place. This is a church of welcome, a congregation that I have seen drawing the circle wide to make room for folks coming in. This world can be a lonely place. We live in an age of anxiety a world where a fair number of our day-to-day -day interactions are mediated by a little three-inch by five-inch piece of plastic, glass, and radio waves. Radical hospitality, the, the kind of hospitality that we aspire to in these places, aims to break through that alienation, to make the world just a little less lonely to provide not just a home away from home, that, that cliche, but a place where people feel loved for who they are, a place where the stranger is welcomed in, to welcome the people coming in behind them. That's what I see here. But I hope we can grow and deepen as we go forward. The last song on that mixtape that is still in my car was an anthem written for this congregation on the occasion of the dedication of this building. The chorus is, Love, Come Take Me Home. May that be our song. Amen. <laughs>